Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, if you would please, and beginning at verse 1. I would like to share with you tonight about increasing your capacity for faith. Increasing your capacity or our capacity for faith. Any way you want to look at it is fine with me. I know about, I want my capacity for faith to be increased. What about you? Amen. Luke 17, verse 1. Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Notice those three words. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Praise God. Well, first of all, I want to share with you about the setting in which the disciples asked the Lord to increase their faith. Everybody wants their faith increased because they know that great faith does great things. Amen? Believing God requires great faith. You've got to have great faith to believe God for great things. And so we want our faith to be increased and the capacity for our faith to be increased. Well, that's what they asked for. But look at the setting in which they asked it. Jesus just told them they've got to forgive people. Those that offend them, those that trouble them or hurt them in any way in this life, they've got to forgive people. And they say, Lord, increase our faith. Look who's asking. They heal the sick. They raise the dead. They cleanse the lepers. The deaf heard. The blind saw. The maimed were made whole. And all this. I mean, they did the works of Jesus. But when it came to forgiving your brother, increase our faith. Why? Because something like that is personal, isn't it? It affects you personally. Seeing someone else get healed, delivered, or set free doesn't really affect you personally. It's not your problem and it's not your pain. But when it comes to somebody offending you, that takes faith. And as far as they were concerned, it took faith that they didn't have. They wanted an increase in faith to forgive their brother. You know, a lot of people are troubled by this. They don't learn how to, by faith, forgive people that wrong them in this life. But we've got to do it by faith. We're commanded of the Lord to forgive, walk in love. And if need be, 490 times a day. You know the story. Jesus said seven times 70. 490 times every single day. Forgive. Well, that requires faith. Well, if they could do all the other things that they did, they certainly should be able to forgive someone who offended them, according to Jesus. But secondly... I want to say, state that by this, the implication is this, by what Jesus said here, that you can't pray for your faith to be increased. That kind of a prayer is really not going to be a prayer that's answered. Jesus didn't even address the fact that they could pray for their faith to be increased. Listen carefully. He told them how that it could be increased. If you had the faith, just like a mustard seed. And what he was implying was this. The potential is in the seed. It's in seed form. The potential for your faith to be increased is there in seed form. 
He supplies the seed and we've got to do our part. It also could imply this, that a mustard seed is pure and we understand that. It's pure seed. In other words, pure faith will do great things. We understand that. But I believe he's also implying the fact that a person can grow in faith. Their faith can increase. Their capacity for faith can be enlarged if they understand that it's a process of growth. It doesn't just happen overnight because you want it to happen. There are certain things we have got to understand and apply to our lives in order for it to happen. And unless we do that, our faith is not going to increase. Amen. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 17, the Scripture says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If we want our faith to increase, then we must understand that we must maintain the right attitude toward hearing the Word of God, and we must maintain a teachable spirit. Listen carefully. If we want our faith to increase, to grow, the potential is there, but we must maintain a right attitude toward hearing the Word of God. Why? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. You know, right now you're sitting out there and you're listening to what is being taught or what is being said. You're hearing the Word of God. But you know... You can have an attitude on the inside of you that says, I've heard this before. I've heard Romans 10, 17 before. I've heard 1 Peter 2, 24 before. I've heard all these scriptures before. And you know, there's a danger in that. We can arrive at a place that we don't really hear all that there is to hear about the Word of God. And it's something that takes place in us inwardly. It's like a mindset that we develop in our own lives. I've heard this so many times before. Well, faith does not come by having heard. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. So you can come in and say, oh, there they go again, or there he goes again, or there she goes again, saying the same thing I've already heard. And you get nothing out of it whatsoever. But then again, you can maintain this kind of attitude that says, I want to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to me through the Word. There's more revelation to be had. There's more understanding for me to have. I need to know everything there is about faith and its growth and development in my life so that I could grow, can grow in faith. But if I have the mindset that says, I've heard that before, then my spirit is not teachable. Now listen carefully, beloved. It is possible for us to be established in theological fact and not truth. You know what a theological fact is? It is something that is detached from your life. In other words, you know what the Word says. I can even quote it to you. I know what it says, but it's not a reality. God does not want us to be theologians. He wants us to be living epistles. Walking in truth. It's the truth that sets us free. It is not theological facts. And what is truth? Truth is alive. Truth is a living thing. Truth is creative. Truth is life-changing. That's what truth is. And that's why He said, continue hearing in My Word, in My Word, hearing My Word, hearing My Word, over and over and over and over again. And don't allow yourself to be of the mindset that says, I've heard that before. Respond quickly and say, even though I've heard that, I know there's more to hear. 
And since I know there's more to here, I open my spirit to be teachable, to receive the instruction of the spirit so I can grow in faith. See, with that kind of a mindset, with that kind of a proper attitude toward hearing the word of God, what's going to happen? I'm going to increase my capacity for faith. But if I enter into the mindset that says, I already know it all, then what happens? I decrease or diminish my capacity for faith. Also, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Joshua, because this truth is so important. And it's supposed to be a truth, as I said, not a theological fact. Meditation is key to increasing our capacity for faith. Meditation is key. It's essential. If you want to have your capacity for faith to increase. I actually believe it so strongly that I dare say this. Instead of reading the Word of God so much, people need to give time to meditation. I mean that sincerely. You know, you can read the Word of God over and over and over and over and over again, get a lot of facts of knowledge in your mind, but if you don't take time to meditate, they do not become realities or truths. Something that is attached to my life, a part of my life, a living entity in my life, a reality to my life. Something I am walking in that is life-giving, that is breathing on the inside of me, the life of God. So meditation is a key, a major key, if you want to have your capacity for faith to increase and if you want to experience reality or truth in the Word of God. I'll show that to you. In the book of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, now notice, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, first of all, he talks about, and this is God speaking to Joshua, and he says to Joshua, look, you need to meditate in my word day and night. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, that's what God told Joshua. Well, if God told that to Joshua, I think it's very important, don't you think? To all of our lives, not just Joshua. Why? Because the next part of that same verse says that thou mayest observe to do. Everybody wants to be a doer of the Word of God. Meditation in the Word gives place to doing the Word. It gives us the capacity to do the Word of God or to be a doer of the Word of God. If we don't take the time to meditate in the Word of God, then we are not going to have the capacity to be a doer of the Word of God. We're going to be like those that say, I'd like to be a doer of the Word of God. I desire to be a doer of the Word of God, but I just can't seem to be that doer of the Word of God. Can you help me? Yes. God said, meditate the Word day and night. And if you'll do that and keep the Word in your mouth upon your lips, in other words, speak out the Word of God and muse over the Word of God, mutter the Word of God to yourself by day and night, then you're going to position yourself to become a doer of the Word of God. And you know, when you are, have the capacity to do the Word of God increase in your life, you know what it does? It increases your capacity for faith. Because the more you act on the Word of God, the more your faith increases. Well, then the next part of that verse says this, Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Now, that's talking about increase, isn't it? 
See, if we want increase in our lives in all areas of life, we can make our way prosperous and we can have good success by following the principle of, everybody say, meditation. See, it's not just reading. See, sometimes people think, well, I've done my religious duty for the day. I have read 14 chapters in the Bible. Hallelujah. Well, you can read 14 chapters and have all kinds of facts of knowledge stored up in your storehouse of knowledge and have no reality. Isn't that true? So what produces reality? Meditation. David meditated under the stars. He thought about his God. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how to in a moment. Okay, turn with me to the book of Psalms, if you would, please, to show you the emphasis in the Bible on meditation. When God repeats something or reiterates something over and over again, you can rest assured that it's important to our lives. Amen. In the book of Psalms, first Psalm, I believe in this psalm, we have a revelation that meditation enables us to produce fruit, even faith fruit. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law did he meditate day and night. Day and night. The same thing that Joshua was told. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay, now let's back up. Your delight is in the law of the Lord. Now we can say the word of God, but also we can say the New Testament law of love. We know that love makes faith work, doesn't it? Faith works by love. And so we can look at it, look at it a twofold way. We meditate in the word of God and also we meditate in the law of love. And as a result of meditating day and night in the word of God and in the law of love, what happens? We're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Meditation is like the life-giving force water into the tree. It receives all that it needs. It's, it's, it's revitalized. It's strengthened. It's provided for. It's nourished through the water. And it becomes a fruit-bearing tree. Meditation is to the heart what water is to the tree. And when the child of God meditates in the law of love and meditates in the Word of God, once again... He enlarges his capacity for faith. He begins to draw from the strength of the Word of God. It opens up avenues through which his faith life increases. It goes on to say right there that whatever he does is going to prosper. I like a prosperous faith life. What about you? And remember, we're not just talking about dollar bills and gold and stuff like that. We're not talking about personal items or material things. We're talking about real things like faith working, casting out devils, Speaking with new tongues, receiving from heaven. We're talking about the anointing of God increase. We're talking about laying hands on the sick that they can recover. We're talking about receiving the power of God when necessary to help mankind. We're talking about great things happening. What you do in your faith life is going to prosper because you've taken the time to meditate in the Word of God and in the law of love and your faith is working by love. It's prospering. You in the way. Thirdly, I want you to look at Psalm 119 with regard to meditation once again. In Psalm 119, we see the word meditation reiterated once again by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Here's another way to increase our capacity for faith. Listen to the testimonies of the Lord. Meditate upon the testimonies of God. 
Think about that just for a moment. How often do we take the time to really think about the vast greatness of our God? I mean, we're talking about time set aside just to, to ponder over, just to think about, just to meditate upon how great, how glorious, how wonderful our God really is. How big He is, how powerful He is, how all-knowing He is. You see, you can't help but to meditate on that and come walking away from that place with a greater capacity for faith. Can you? It's electrifying when you start thinking like that, isn't it? It's glorious when you start thinking like that, isn't it? Our God is glorious in holiness. He is fearful in praises. And He does wonders among the people. Our God made the heavens and the earth and the sea. All by His mighty power and glory. He spoke the worlds into existence. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. What a great God we serve. You just think about the events that are about to unfold. The rapture of the church. Think about it. When all the graves are open. And all the bodies of those that are dead in Christ are going to rise. Dust particles, bones, and God is going to take every single one of them, put them all back together by His mighty power and glory, and He's going to glorify their bodies which will become immortal and incorruptible. That's pretty good. Wow. He's your God. You think about the testimonies of your God. And what happens? You increase your capacity for faith. You enlarge the inward man. Through what? Through this meditation. Can you see that? Okay. Here it says right there, in verse 99, I have more understanding. And why does he have more understanding? Because he takes time to meditate the testimonies of God. See, meditation brought understanding. The understanding increased his capacity for faith. If we don't take the time to meditate, not just read, meditate, then we're not going to have the understanding that we need to have and we're not going to have that increase. But if we take the time, this is what will happen. Fourthly, 1 Timothy, if you would please. Chapter 4, 1 Timothy 4. I wrote down the wrong verse. Four fifteen. Meditate upon these things. Verse fifteen. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Listen carefully. Meditate upon these things. Meditation gives place to the giving of myself wholly or totally to. These things, the things of God, the Word of God, the things that are being taught, that thy profiting or your increase may appear unto all. So once again, meditation gives place to an increase in our lives. It gives me the ability to totally give myself to the things that I am meditating upon. The things of God, whether they be the things of, of the authority of the believer. 
I have to meditate about the authority of the believer. Because, beloved, if you really consider the believer's authority, it goes beyond human imagination and human comprehension. When God made man in the very beginning, He gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. You know what? That baffles our minds. We can't think of any individual, whoever is alive upon the face of the earth, under God, who can say, I have dominion over all the activities of the things that God created. Can you imagine that? God did not make man to be dominated. God made man to dominate. People go around this life thinking, well, you know, the devil this and the devil that. God says, I gave you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But why isn't that a truth? Why isn't that a reality? Because we haven't taken the time to meditate the authority of the believer. Because many think they're supposed to be run over by the devil in this life, even as a Christian. But, beloved, if we'll take the time to meditate upon those things, that truth, that very basic truth right there that God has given us to have dominion over all the works of His hands, we have authority over all demon powers right now, and over, over sickness, over disease, over lack and want, over situations and circumstances and problems in this life. If we take the time to meditate upon that, it does something on the inside. It increases my capacity to exercise faith in that area of dominion and authority. It settles into the heart. And then it becomes an action that we rise up refusing to be defeated in this life. Would you say with me, I refuse to be defeated? And I will never quit. For I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and loosed from Satan's pit. I have authority over all the power of the enemy and I'll not be hurt in any way. This is your heritage. This is your lifestyle. This is the, the, the behavior of the child of God who knows his rights and privileges in Christ. Can you see that? But meditate upon these things. Why? So that you can give yourself wholly to them. In other words, like he said back there in Joshua, be a doer. Meditation gives place to being a doer of the Word of God, which is, increases our capacity for faith. So here, once again, we see the instruction given to us. And what will it produce? To meditate. And what will it produce? Increase. Your profit. Profit is increase that may appear to all or every one of us. Now, going back to the book of Psalms and, and Psalm 19, of course, the next question always is, then how do I meditate? How do I meditate? You know what, beloved? If you can view it this way, it's the easiest way I can answer the question, how do I meditate? Have you ever had a situation occur that was a terrible situation in your life and it was all-consuming? Have you? I mean, absolutely all-consuming. You thought about it all the time? I mean, you get up in the morning, man, and this is just sitting right there, just staring you right in the face, eyeball to eyeball. Have you ever been there before? Then you even when you're maybe off to work or driving down a highway or doing what you're doing, it's, it seemingly is always there. You're thinking about it. You might even be talking to somebody else about the situation, expounding on it, explaining what has happened or whatever, and why you're so concerned and all that. That's meditation. That's meditation. And you know what? It's easy to meditate on bad things. Think about it. If something happened to you at work. You can probably rehearse everything. The things, hey, she said this and he said that. And then, then the other one jumped in and said this. 
right? But I told him. He threw himself right in the, in the whole thing. Why is that so easy? Because you take it personal. It's a part of you, that's why. I'll tell you what. It becomes a part of your emotion, your emotional makeup. And it begins to affect you in every way. You think it, you eat it, you drink it, you sleep it. You might even go to bed at night and have a hard time falling asleep because this thing is just being rehearsed in your mind over and over and over and over again. Why is it no one needs to be instructed in meditating on the problem? Come on. Who needs instruction when it comes to being a meditator on the problem? No one. You know how to do it automatically. But spiritual things are different. See, we know the Word of God by fact. But it's not really a part of our lives. We don't take it personal enough. Did you hear? We don't take it personal enough. And that creates a problem. Going back to Psalm 19 and verse 14, and it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Meditation involves your heart and your mouth or your words. That's what meditation involves. Certain things pierce your heart, don't they? Certain things trouble your spirit, don't they? And like I said, when they do, out of the abundance of the troubled heart, the mouth, speak it. Boy, is that a truth? And no one has to be schooled in that. So consumed by it, so affected by it, so consumed by it, talk about it, think about it, tell other people about it. You couldn't hold it in if you tried to hold it in. Why? Because it's so, so much a part of you. What has happened is so much a part of you that you rehearse it all the time. That's meditation. It involves your heart. It involves your mouth. And, beloved, the temptation is to focus on the problem more than the problem solver. Or more than the solution to the problem. It's easier to focus on the trouble, you see, than it is what God said to get you out of trouble. Because that is so real to us. Well, beloved, we want to build faith realities in our lives. We want the Word of God to become real to us, more so than the problem. We've been accused, that is, those who teach faith, we've been accused of telling people to deny the existence of the problem. That's not true. No. We never say deny the problem. We say give your focus and attention to the problem solver and he'll take care of your problem. But if you're consumed by the problem, you're shutting out the problem solver. And can worry add one cubit to your stature? Can anxiety or fretting? Do anything? No. So meditation involves what I say. It involves what is dear to my heart. Now listen carefully. Greater is He 
that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. What am I doing? You're greater in me, Lord. You're greater in me, Lord. You're greater in me, Lord. And you're being bombarded. Thoughts are coming against your mind. I mean, this trouble, this problem, this situation has affected your heart. It's consuming your mind and these thoughts are just uh, coming into your mind faster than machine gun bullets can fly. But you're saying, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The greater one on the inside of me, he is greater than all the problems I face in life. I thank God that the greater one who is in me is greater than the situation that I'm facing right now in my life. And so instead of talking about the problem, you begin talking about the greater one. That's the meditation of your heart. Let that become dear to your heart. Let that uh, speak to your spirit man. And as you begin to speak those words, what are you doing? You're creating a, a greater capacity for faith in your life. You keep focusing on the Word of God and not focusing on the problem. You ponder what those things mean to you in, in your life. And you take other scriptures. I mean, that's not just the only scripture that you can... Uh, if you were confronted by fear and the temptation is for you to be overwhelmed or consumed by fear... And fear is a very real thing. No one denies fear, but the Word of God says. You see, is the Word of God dear to my heart? If it's not, it's not. I'm not going to have a, an increase as far as my capacity for faith is concerned. But if the Word of God is dear to my heart, then I'll say, God has not given me the spirit of fear. You say, how can I determine whether or not the Word of God is, is dear to my heart? If you have a trouble with fear, there are 365 Verses of Scripture that talk about fear, which means one for every day of your life. And if all you did was look, look up one a day and quote it, that's showing that you're sincere toward the Word of God. Okay. And so you start looking up those Scriptures, praise God, that pertain to fear, and you start saying, saying it out loud, muttering, meditating, thinking about it, pondering over it. God has not given me the spirit of fear. God has not given me the spirit of fear. See, that's universal. It applies to every person's life, not just somebody else. It applies to you. Wherever you're at, whoever you are, whatever the problem is, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank God I have the spirit of love, power and of love and of a sound mind. And you keep saying that to yourself over and over and over. It affects your heart. It affects your mouth. The words that you speak, you say it because you mean it. And all of a sudden, you're creating capacity for faith to believe that you have the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. And that fear cannot penetrate through that. And your faith life increases, praise God. Another thing, as far as how to meditate is concerned. Look at Psalm 77, if you would, please. And verse 12. It's important that we understand what to meditate on as well as how to meditate. But this is part of the how-to. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Who takes time to do that? 
Have you really taken time to go back and, and, and read in the beginning? God made the heavens and the earth. And really take the time to stop and think about, ponder over what that means. Go back and just look over the, the days of creation, even when God made men, and just think about the human body and its perfection and the way it operates. Think about the mind of God to suspend the planets, the stars in the sky. Think about His works, the works of His hands. Think about His doings, all that God has done. See, sometimes we think that meditation only involves just the Scripture, in one Scripture itself. But no, it implies more than that. It involves more than that. Begin to think about just how big your God is. Think about the speed of light. Think about the vast reaches of space and the galaxies. Just think about the mind of God who did all this. And then, after pondering all that, say to yourself, nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all is too difficult for you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. And now here's my little situation. Here's my little problem I'm facing in life. Nothing is too difficult for you. See, by pondering over how big He is, how great He is, and all that He has done, and evaluating all that, and meditating upon all that, it builds or increases in you a greater capacity for faith. But see, once again, we've got to take time to do it. I can only imagine some of the things that Jesus pondered over his mind when he was up there on the mountain by himself. Think about how great he is. Think about all that he's done. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's another aspect of this that's very important. It involves the meditation of the heart another aspect of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And beginning at verse 13. Here the Apostle Paul is making reference to the spirit of faith. And he says, We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken... We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen... But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And verse five, uh, verse 7 of chapter 5 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm bringing those out just to let you know that the meditation of the heart allows, uh, enables us to lift up our eyes above natural things so that we can see spiritual things that are much higher than natural things. 
It gives us spiritual vision rather than natural vision. The things that are seen trouble us. The things that are seen weigh us down. The things that are seen spell out defeat. But the things that are not seen are out there working for us all the time. Calling out for our victory, for our deliverance, for whatever it is that we need from God. The things that are not seen are very real. Meditation enables us to lift our eyes up above what is seen into the unseen realities of the spirit world. Into the unseen realities of redemptive truth. Of gospel promises. Can you see that? Meditation does this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So meditation will lift us out of this lower realm, enabling us to see into the higher realm. Now write these verses down. We won't turn to them. But in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, God told Abraham, Lift up your eyes and see. And as far as you can see from the north, the south, to the east, and west, I have given you all that you can see. People, we need to lift our eyes above the problem. Lift our eyes up above the situation. Lift our eyes above natural realities. As God told Abraham, lift up your eyes and look. Lift up our spiritual eyes and look and see beyond the natural and realize there's a whole supernatural world out there that God has already provided for us to enjoy. All the realities, all the truths, all the blessings, all the promises, they're all there for our own good and they're there for us to enjoy. And as far as we can see, so has He given to us. And so by meditation, beloved, our hearts are lifted up and we begin to see above these things. Now, here's what happened with Abraham. Abraham, through this practice of seeing beyond the natural, was able to receive his son Isaac raised from the dead in a figure. He allowed the words that God spoke to paint an image of Isaac being raised from the dead. He took all the facts in the natural and said, if I kill him, he's dead. But God told me to kill him and God is, is one who honors his word who said certain truths about Isaac. Therefore, Abraham looked beyond the natural truth into the supernatural truth knowing that God would honor His Word, watch over it to perform it, and through the process of meditation, he already saw the image of God raising Isaac from the dead, and he received him raised from the dead in a figure. Isn't that the truth? Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that. He received him raised from the dead in a figure. Where did all this take place? It was the image that was upon his heart. How did the image... Produced. How was it produced? It was produced through meditation. See, it says that he laid one truth alongside of the other. He pondered over 
those truths and concluded that God had to raise him from the dead. And he received him raised from the dead in a figure. Beloved, we need to see ourselves living above the circumstances of life. We need to see ourselves experiencing the promises of God and doing the works of Jesus. We need to take some time, just sit back and just, just take some time and, and to see ourselves living high above the problems we face here in life. We need to begin to see ourselves out of debt. We need to see ourselves well and healthy, healed and whole. We need to see ourselves laying hands on the sick so they can recover. We need to see ourselves preaching the gospel to other people in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We need to see ourselves walking in the full blessings of God. How do we get that image or that picture? It's right here. Let the Word of God paint the picture, but meditate in it. While we look not at that which is seen. You see why the things seen are designed to do what? To control us. To stop the increase of our faith. To be frank about it, people have more faith in what the devil can do. I'm really sad to say that, beloved, but you know, in some cases it's true. You can ask Christians even today. Well, I know when I get up in the morning, the devil's going to be right there. Ah, you got a lot of faith in him, don't you? Anytime I try to do anything for God, the devil's going to hit me hard. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of faith in what he does. Why don't you start saying, no matter what I do for God... Satan has no power over me. No matter what success I have in life, Satan has no power over me. I have power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. That's a better picture to paint, isn't it? And it's a better way to speak. Remember, meditation involves the heart and the mouth. And finally, and this is found in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, if you would please, and we'll close it right there. Proverbs 4, verses, verse 23, first of all. If we want to increase our capacity for faith, and beloved, no one can do this for you but yourself. You are the only one who can do this for you. You do it for yourself. Protect thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Verse 23. Keep thy heart, protect, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or flow the issues of life. If I want an increase... In my heart, for faith, if I want that capacity to increase, I must take necessary steps to protect my heart diligently from the things that would prevent that increase. If I do not do that, how can I expect increase in my life? Now, to show you, just back it up just a little bit. Verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear. Notice, number one, the ear. Unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Notice number two, the eyes. But keep them in the midst of thine heart. Three, the heart. Now you've got what you hear, what you see, and what you believe. Or what affects you inwardly. What troubles you inwardly. The desires that you may have inwardly. The issues of life involve more than what some think. It's not just the positive things, it's also the negative things. Don't allow doubt in your heart. Don't allow jealousy in your heart. Don't allow unforgiveness in your heart. Don't allow bitterness inside your heart. Because bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, envy, covetousness, uh, uh, idolatry, adultery, all those things, lust, all those things allowed to gain entrance into the heart reduce or diminish the capacity for faith. I'm not going to grow in faith with all those things in there. How can I have faith in there with all those other things pushing faith out? Fear and faith cannot walk together. They cannot live together. So I am the keeper 
of my heart. I need to protect my heart. How? By what I see, by what I hear, by what I believe. It's my heart. It's what I allow in my ears. It's what I allow my eyes to see. The, the pride of life. All the things that pertain to this world that are enmity against God, I have got to refuse entrance into my life. So protect your heart diligently because out of it comes the force of love and the force of faith and the force of joy that is your strength. You see, beloved, if one is down and out, I guarantee you there is no active joy in that life. Why? The joy of the Lord is your strength. But I've got a reason to be sad. I've got ten reasons to be sad. You might have twenty reasons to be sad. We're not denying that. But the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have a perfect work, that you're perfect and entire, inwardly wanting nothing. You're giving place to the forces or the issues of life inwardly, and you're going to increase your capacity for faith. You've got to believe in joy. You've got to have faith in joy. Believe in it from your heart. Say it with your mouth. And what happens? It begins to rise up on the inside of you and strengthens you to overcome your sadness. And God becomes the glory and the lifter of your head. Lift up thine eyes and see there's a whole lot more to life than what you see with your natural eyes. God is saying, and increase your capacity for faith. Protect your heart with all diligence. Out of it come the issues of life. Don't let fear, worry, doubt, and all these other things enter into your heart. What you see, what you hear, what you believe, and what you say will determine your degree, your degree of faith. And if you want your capacity for faith to increase, start seeing, hearing, and saying, as well as believing the right things. Amen. Let's all stand before the Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Diligence implies... Earnest, steadfast application. <clears throat> Diligence. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Steadfast, earnest application. Every single day. Day and night, the psalmist said. By day and night. Bless the Lord. Say with me, I'm a child of God. I'm born of the Spirit. I'm washed in the blood. The God that I serve made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. There is nothing too difficult for Him. And He that is in me is greater than He that is in the world. The God that I serve is the God of all the universe and of all mankind. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand giving Him all power and authority over all things for my benefit and the benefit of the church that I would live as an overcomer in this life. I boldly say I'm an heir of God. A joint heir with Jesus. A world overcomer. 
More than a conqueror. Through Jesus Christ. And by the blood of the Lamb. And word of my testimony. I overcome. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Both now and forevermore. We've got to think about all those great things that God has done. He put a, he put a universe together. Praise God. And what about his eternal plan? Can you imagine seeing the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven? The renovation of this earth as a by fire? I mean, how does that register in your old brain there? Yeah, God's going to register, God's going to renovate this whole earth by fire. Well, figure that one out. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Wow. Not any sea? Don't need it. No sun nor moon, neither moon, don't need it. For the light of the glory of God will shine. Amen. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory in. Man, a place, can you imagine this? Can, can our brains fathom this? A place of no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sighing, no more crying, no more dying, and no more woes, no more cleaning, no more cooking, no more working. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. Hallelujah. What a place. Glory. And then in the ages to come, he's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. Whew. Does that throw your mind for a loop right there? If this isn't at all, what's the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us? Imagine all that. Imagine. Image. Get an image of who you are in Christ. Get an image of who your God really is. And what will happen? You'll increase your capacity for faith. Brother Tom, it's time to pray. Come on up here right now. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.